Today is the, the last Sunday of, uh, of the decade. Can you believe it? And um, in honor of that, our, uh, our fascinating um, uh, worship leader told us we need to hug today. So that's what we did. We hugged. Uh, did I, I asked him, is it going to be once a decade? Or he says, no, it's going to be symbolic of um, a very huggable church. So uh, welcome, welcome. Uh, I, I was hoping that, um, um, that Vladimir would be speaking in an Australian accent by now, but it apparently is not. Um, his brother and sister-in-law and everyone is somewhere in... They're traveling They're driving. That's so amazing. Hope east. It's going to be snowy. Yeah. Oh, they wanted that. Okay. That is true. Never seen snow. Yeah. Because it's, it's not good in Australia. There's a lot of fires and all that that's going on. And so uh, it's... Uh, uh, I, 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 Tanya mentioned that um, they spoke in a funny accent, <laughs> uh, which is Australian. You know, there is this famous story about an, uh, a missionary um, um, surgeon from, from Australia who was working at a prominent hospital in India, and um, uh, things were going well for a patient, and then the nurse noti- noticed that the, that the patient is... Uh, is quite um, quite disturbed and depressed, and uh, the patient was getting better, and the nurse was quite uh, perplexed as to what's going on. So she went to the patient and said, well, "Why are you so depressed? And you were getting better, now you're getting sicker. What's going on?" And and so um, he said um, uh, that uh, the surgeon came to me and. Um, and said something very disturbing to me. And, and the nurse asked him, you know, what did the surgeon say? Apparently, this, the surgeon was from Australia. And so he came to him and he said, Friend, you're going home to die. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> so that's, Austra- that's my very, very bad... Um, um, copying of an Australian accent. You're going home to die. And he said, I'm going home to die. I don't want to go home to die. So, um, I don't know. We all have our accents, isn't it? Indian accent and, um, you know, all kinds of accents. And so, Australians have their own accents. And it's really nice. I like it. Um, we, I'll be going next uh, week, um, well, on, on Tuesday I'm flying to India. D- do pray for India. India's going through a lot of turmoil at this time. Um, there was, there's a law that's been passed, well, several laws, one upon another, by the government, and it's caused a lot of turmoil, especially for Christians and for Muslims and for all minorities. Um, there's churches being burned down. There is um, a lot of 
bad things that are happening. So do pray. But right in the midst of that, we do need to give the gospel. So pray that the gospel be given. Pray for Christians, uh, especially who are seeking to be Christ-like in very hard situations. I, I am still hoping that we might be able to have a group of people go from our church on um, perhaps a medical mission. Let's do some dental stuff and some eye stuff and some, you know, um, regular nursing care in villages where uh, the place that I go to is now called Prayagraj. It used to be called Allahabad. And um, there's thousands and thousands of villagers that come every week. And perhaps we can have uh, a medical clinic there. So... Let's think and pray about stuff like that. We need to be doing more of missions, outreach of this kind. Here in our neighborhood um, and in Chicago and outside as well. So, so may we plan on that um, sometime, I don't know, in the next six months or something like that. Uh, maybe a year. Um, this is a good time to go. It's it's uh, winter is a good time to be in India. So, so pray for, um, for these. Pr continue to pray for David's father um, and for other prayer situations that are among us. Um, um, let's keep praying and trusting God in, in, in the lives of people who may be sick among us also. I want us to go into a, a new series now. It's a short series because it's a, it's a short book. Uh, it's the book of Philippians, book of Philippians, um, which was uh, among the last um, epistles. It's called an epistle. An epistle is a letter that is written uh, for the purpose of teaching, teaching the Bible, teaching what does the Hebrew Bible mean for new communities of people that are being developed, and, and the book that we would be um, engaging with is called the book of Philippians. Philippians, because it's written to uh, a new group of people who live in a very ancient city called Philippi. Very ancient city called Philippi. It's a city that was the hub of a lot of learning. There was new thinking going on there. Uh, but it was also the hub of some very bad things happening in the name of religion. In the name of religion, there were people being enslaved, brought into the city, and, and especially girls and women used to face the worst of what was going on in the name of the worship of uh, like the goddess Diana and, and other goddesses and gods that people would worship because religion has always been used as a tool. Polytheistic religions have been always used as a sociological tool to do bad things to minorities. And unfortunately, that happens today as well. So I'm hoping that we will learn lessons from the book of Philippians, and I'm hoping as we go into this new year, we take the prayers of this amazing man of God who's in prison. Now, he's in prison, and you would think that, you know, in prison, uh, you're all the time thinking about yourself and, and thinking about, 
you know, oh, poor me, look at me. You know, all I'm doing is giving the gospel to people. Look at what they are doing to me. They put me in prison. And and you could go into depression. You could go into um, just going into deep pity party kinds of situations. But that's not what Paul does. He's always thinking about the others. Isn't that amazing? You know, so often we just want to think about ourselves when we are in bad times because our whole emphasis is on our own lives. But as we look at the life of this amazing man of God whose life has been transformed quite remarkably. I mean, think about it. Not so long ago, he was killing Christians. He was putting them in prison. He wanted to get rid of all of this group of people who are followers of Jesus. But suddenly, Jesus revealed himself to this amazing man, later amazing man. But this man called Shaul and said to him, Shaul, Shaul, why are you persecuting me? And so his life was transformed quite amazingly. And I think that's happening even today. I've been going through quite a lot of material that's coming from the Islamic world. Do you know where is the church growing the most? It's growing in a place called Iran. Do you know why is it growing? Because 60% of the leaders are women who are going into homes and sharing about Jesus who revealed himself to them in dreams. And it's so fascinating because they're going from one house to another. We don't read about this. We don't hear about this because obviously the media doesn't know things like this. But there are people who are in places like Iran and Iraq and and Pakistan. It's fascinating to see what God is doing. People are being healed because there are common people to whom Jesus is revealing himself. That's what happened to Paul. That's what happened to Paul. Now he, is, he, he knows that his life is coming to an end. He is in prison. He has this intuition that this is not going to be for very long. So he's thinking about people like the people, the new, new Christians. For both Jewish as well as Gentiles, they have their own problems. Because remember... They live separately from each other. The Jews had their own lifestyle. The Gentiles had their own pagan lifestyle. And yet both were treated horribly. And here they come together to form this church. And they're not able to. Why? Because they want to hold on to their own lifestyle. The Jews were saying, well, you know, God first revealed himself to us. It was our Moses. It was our David. It was our Isaiah. It was our Jeremiah. And even Jesus was Jewish. Who are you? And the Gentiles said, but you are in Philippi. This is a Gentile city. We know how to live like Philippians. You've got to learn from us. And so there was a clash between the two, which so often happens in something that we call diversity. You know, everyone wants to use the word diversity, right? But what, what people don't realize is that diversity is really cool, 
It's a cool word, but when diversity really happens, then our real colors show. Because we want to be like mean. You know, diversity is being a South Asian and Indian. Diversity is being Korean. Diversity is being Chinese. Diversity is being Mexican, whatever it is. But when it comes to living together, that's where it really shows, isn't it? So Paul is writing to the Philippians, and here's how he starts. It's so fascinating. I want to deal with the first three verses of the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And then I'll go into the, the passage that I want to um, focus on a little bit more. And that's Philippians chapter 2. And end with the most famous verse of 2019. Do you know what that is? According to you version. Have you heard of you version? You version has got millions and millions of followers. So recently they came up with a survey and they wanted to, uh, they were asked, what is the most famous verse of the whole Bible in the year 2019? Do you know what it was? Any ideas? It's found also in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and I'll end with that. So let's, let's go to the end of it. Um... Chapter 4 and verse 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Alegrense siempre en el Señor. Which means? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, I will say it again. Let's say it together, may we? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So powerful, right? May we say that again, please? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this was the most famous passage, the most looked upon passage of all of 2019. And my prayer is that you would hide this in your heart for 2020. Would you? The peace of God. I mean, that's amazing. Things may be falling apart all around us, but how do people know we are Christians? When they see, when they look into our eyes and they say, this person is peaceful. And I don't understand it. It transcends, it's, I'm befuddled. How is it that this person is so peaceful? Because 
the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, reading that, of course, I got a little um, mixed up because I learned the 1984 New International Version. So every time you ask me to, to, um, uh, to say something from the Bible, to quote the Bible, what comes to my mind is what I learned when I, was first, when I first became a Christian. And so I would encourage us to, to, to just hide God's Word in our heart because when things are tough, that's what will keep us going. He begins here. He ends with Philippians chapter 4, but he begins with Philippians chapter 1. Here's what, here's what Paul writes at the beginning. And I want us to kind of gain some lessons from here. Uh, it, it's about how, what does it mean? What, is the, what are the marks of a Christ-minded person? Let this mind be in you. What are the marks of a Christ-minded person? The first thing that comes to our mind is, and this is found in the first three verses of Philippians, it says, Paul and Timothy. Now, Timothy is a young guy. We, we don't know how old was Timothy. You know, in ancient terms, uh, you could be young when you're 40 years old. Can you be young when you're 40 years old? Well, that's what, you know. Even now in Korea, when you go there, you know, um, uh, one of our elders, one of our e-board members, if he goes to his family, they'll look at him and they'll say, Sean, you're a kid. Why? Because he's a kid. And, and the kids won't agree with that, but in, 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 in Eastern culture, that's what it is. But here is Paul. He's looking at this young person who's 40 years old, and he thinks of him as his kid. And he takes him on a journey in good times as well as in bad times. So now, in prison, this kid who's 40 years old is with him. And he says that the first thing that one has to keep in mind is that we are servants of Christ Jesus. Now, the word that is used there in, in, in Greek language is not really servant. It's a very stark word. It should be translated as slave. Doulos in Greek. Slavery, unfortunately, has been a bad thing, right? It's been a bad thing. It was a bad thing during the time of Romans. Whenever Roman people went into cities, they would take slaves and use them horribly. Give them really bad treatment because they didn't regard slaves as human beings. That's the way it was in India. That's the way it was in Western slavery as well. I mean, I've been to Africa and I've seen what happened in Africa. I've been to a place called Liverpool, which is known for this famous band called the Beatles, right? Right, right where the Beatles started, there's a bar there and they'll tell you this is where they used to sing. But you look from that bar and you find this port. That was the heart of the slavery movement. Where things were brought and loaded onto those ships. And then they were taken to the new world. And dumped onto the new world. Because the new world had to pay for the economic success of England. And Ireland. And France and Germany, 
And once it was dumped there, then they took slaves from Africa and dumped them onto the Americas, into Brazil, into uh, Argentina, into, uh, into North America, into New York, and into New Jersey. That's called a slave triangle. Because why? These people are not human beings, right? And Paul says, you want to know what is the antidote to that? I know that a number of you have been slaves. Do you know what is the antidote to that? Now you become a slave of Christ. And there's freedom in that. Now you're a slave of Christ. I'm a slave of Christ. Would you look at one another and say that you're a slave of Christ? I'm a slave of Christ. So turn to the right, turn to the left, and say, you're a slave of Christ. I'm a slave of Christ. And there's freedom in that because this is different. It's so powerful. Not only that, but Christ-minded people are also willing to be imprisoned. I mean, we need to think about our brothers and sisters in North Korea, our brothers and sisters in China, our brothers and sisters in Iran, our brothers and sisters in Iraq, and in Pakistan. These are people who are going to prison. Why? Because they believe in Jesus. Christ-minded people are willing to face the consequences of being Christ followers. Christ-minded people are willing to face the consequences of being Christ followers. Maybe our friends will say to us, oh, you're one of those people? I want to stick with you. You're one of those people? Maybe it'll be that form of imprisonment, but it could be something else. But that's what Christ-minded people are always willing to be like. Look at what else. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ, to all the people who are called, in, 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 I like it in, in, the, in the Spanish translation here, it says, todos los santos en Cristo Jesús, which means that you're all saints. I'm a saint. You don't have to be one of those people that is granted sainthood by someone sitting in Rome. When we believe in Jesus, we are saints. That's amazing, isn't it? Do I look like a saint? No, I don't look like a saint. I've got, you know, talk to my wife. She'll tell you. I've got all the weaknesses of, I don't know, you know, whatever you want to think about. But the point is that in Christ, we are all saints. And we pray for each other that it would be outwardly seen in our life. Maybe I'm not a saint now, but in Christ we are saints. And one day we will become like saints the more we want to stick around with Jesus. The more we stick around with Jesus and his word, we become more saintly. But we are saints. So would you look at one another and say, you are a saint, I am a saint in the year 
2020, I'm going to become more of a saint. Would you say that to each other? In the year 2020, I'm going to become more of a saint. Isn't that powerful? And it's so powerful when husbands are saying that to wives and You know, when kids are saying that to parents and parents are saying that to kids, because in Christ we are saints. In Christ we are saints. What else? If you go on further here, it's so powerful because Paul goes on to say, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is so powerful. The word grace, charis, is also related to the word chairos, that means joyful. Grace and peace. We read that in Philippians chapter 4 as well, right? Grace. Why am I a saint? I'm a saint only by the grace of God. I am who I am only by the grace of God. Were it not for the grace of God, I don't know what kind of a person would I be. I am not who I am today because of myself. I am who I am today only by the grace of God. And when I know it's by the grace of God, I look at the other person and I offer peace. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. Do you see that? Do you see the sequence? I am who I am only by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God that I'm coming to see the last Sunday of 2019. It's only by the grace of God that I'm going to face 2020. And in 2020, the more I know the grace of God, the more I'm able to offer the peace of God, shalom of God, irene in, in Greek, to other people all around me and people will say, I want to be next to you because there's something peaceful about you. So would you look at one another and say, I offer to you the grace and peace of God. That's so cool. And let us continue to say that to each other as we go on into 2020. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case in the church in Philippi. Remember we talked about that? People were bickering. Some people thought they were more educated than others. Some people thought they were more spiritual than others. Some people thought that they they had a better relationship with Christ than others. Some people thought that that they they were in a position they were because others are not able to get to that position. You know, unfortunately, there was a lot of bickering. And we are like that, isn't it? It is so unfortunate. But when push comes to shove, our old self pulls up in front, and we want to show that we are better. We want to show how humble we are also. Look at me, I'm so humble. And I'm so proud of the fact that I'm so humble. Because we just want to show that. And so Paul looks at them, and he says this. And let's read this together. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I read that. 
just before we partook of the Holy Communion. May we read this together? Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So powerful, isn't it? Be like Jesus. And that should be our prayer. What does it mean to be like Jesus? And, and I'm going to quickly, very quickly go through some of the lessons that he wants us to keep in mind. One is, you know, Jesus was an encourager. Be an encouragement to another person. Ask yourself a question. What can I say to someone that will be an encouragement to the person? It doesn't take too much to discourage people. But it takes a Jesus-like person to be an encouragement. The, 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 the Greek word is parakletos, which is the word that's used for the Holy Spirit himself. Be like the Holy Spirit to another person. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to denounce people. Be an encourager. Secondly, let Jesus' primary motivation was always love. And the word that's used there is agape. It's love that is willing to be sacrificed. It's not just Philadelphia kind of love, which is, which is the word that is used. Philos in Greek is, you know, I love you like a brother, like a sister. But, but this is a lot more than that. This is a love that says, I'm willing to sacrifice myself for you. I'll go. I'll do anything for you because that's what Jesus kind of love is. It's love that always seeks oneness in the Holy Spirit so that we are able to say, am I being one with the Holy Spirit? You know, when things bother us, let's just uh, pause and ask ourselves the question, am I doing things the way in which Jesus would do and be the way in which Jesus would be? 
because there's something there to it. When I'm feeling bad about something, let's go back to God, being one with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus always showed compassion. The word for compassion in, 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 in Greek is the word splankna. It, it always comes from deep within. When you and I pray for each other, there is this thing that rises up from deep within us. From there comes compassion. And so prayer and compassion, they go together. Fifthly, Jesus always sought to bring about single-mindedness. Autos, phroneo, which, which means I, I want to make sure that there is single-mindedness in the church. You know, Tzedema life is going to be looking for the, the new leader here, the new pastor here. Can we be at one with it? Can we be single-minded about where Redeemer life is going? It has to begin with prayer, where we are praying for this constantly and fervently and with fasting so that there's single-mindedness. And that leads to selflessness. Our society is built on selfishness. The system of economics in our society is built on selfishness. What is in this for me? We chose, you choose churches based on selfishness. Is my kids' need met? Is my needs met? Because it's always I, me, and myself. Jesus was selfless, and Jesus was humble. And so... As he sings this song, this is a beautiful song that was sung in the early church. Paul reminds them, remember you sing that song all the time? What is it? That Jesus was, he is, and he always will be God. So look at him. Jesus was and is and always will be God. Secondly, Jesus did not use his authority and power of divinity. Even the most horrible moments, you know, when they were killing him, when he was taken before Pilate, Jesus said, I could do all kinds of things, but I won't. We have been taught that if we have authority, if we have power, use it. Jesus says, no. That's absolutely the most wrong thing to do. Jesus made himself nothing. You know, Buddhism expires to this one thing. It's called shunyata. But no Buddhist has experienced shunyata. Jesus is the only one who became nothing. Buddha did not become nothing. Jesus became nothing. And then Jesus became incarnate. The Word became flesh. And that should be our life. How can I live the life of an incarnate being? To put myself in the flesh of another person. Feel for that person. And then fifthly, Jesus became a slave. Remember we talked about the word slavery? Jesus became a slave. Jesus could have been born, he, he, he's the king of David, right? He could have been born in a kingly palace, 
Jesus chose to be born in the most God-forsaken, pardon the expression there, but, but Nazareth and Bethlehem, those are not the places where who's who want to go. Jesus went to those places. And then Jesus submitted himself. He submitted himself to all kinds of harm, to all kinds of dangers. Do you know what does the word Islam mean? It means to submit. Do you know who submitted? It was Jesus. And we can go to Muslims around us and say, I am a Muslim. Literally, that's what the word Muslim means. Because Jesus has given me the example par excellence of what does it mean to be submitted. Muslims don't know what submission is. Jesus-like submission is true submission. And then Jesus endured the most shameful punish, form of punishment, the death on the cross. We don't have the time to go through the details there. But you know, our, our general example of Jesus, of course, on the cross is, is a good example. Do you know that they stripped him of every single garment? That's shame. They wanted to make sure that the person who hung on this huge, huge thing was brought to the uttermost shame. God became man. Went through so much shame and died the life of utter shame. Paul says, let this mind being you. And when we do that, then we are being a Christ-minded person. Would you pray with me? Our Lord, our God, we want to thank you for being with us throughout this year, 2019. And as we examine our hearts, O oh Lord, it seems so clear, it seems so clear that we have not been like Jesus. And so we come to you and pray for your grace. And pray that in the coming year, you would help us, O oh Lord, to be like Jesus. To make ourselves nothing. To live the life of incarnation. So that we would be slaves of Christ. Enable us, O oh Lord, to submit ourselves in everything, every day, every moment in this coming year. Just like Jesus submitted. And yes, O oh Lord, even when the world 
would want to bring shame upon us, for they brought shame upon you. Enable us, O oh Lord, to live like Jesus. So bless us today, in the days to come, in the coming year, that people would look at us and say, he's like Jesus, she's like Jesus. I want to be like her, like him, because she is like Jesus. He is like Jesus. In your name we pray.